This week on the Backtable Podcast. You can have the mentor alongside with your path as you are doing research, as you want to have more clinical experience, as you're applying for a residency, even about your personal life. I think it's very important. And I can say I could have not wished for a better mentors, to be honest, who have been still playing a huge role in my personal and professional growth. Hello, my name is Human Jaladat, and it's my absolute pleasure to uh, run this session of Backtable Urology podcast. This session, we're going to talk about immigration and route to higher education in urology in U.S. Uh, we understand that this is probably two topics that may or may not happen at the same time together. But without that, there is a good portion of folks who are looking for either of these options, and we hope that we can cover fruitful informations in this regard for them. I am so thrilled to have two of my colleagues, friends with me today to cover this session. Dr. Ali Reza Porefi, who I had the pleasure to work with for the past few years as a research fellow with us at USC, and also Dr. Sanam Ladi Sayedian, who again, I had the pleasure to work as a research fellow at USC for the past few years. Thank you so much to both of you to be here with me today to run this session. I'm pretty sure this would be a very excellent and fruitful conversation. I wanted you guys to introduce yourself and let us know about a little bit of your background, what you have done and what you are doing. Maybe we start with you, Sana. What do you think? Thank you so much uh, for the introduction. It's a great pleasure for me to be here at Backtable Podcast, and it's a great honor for me. Uh, to have this conversation with you, Dr. Jaladat and Ali Reza. I'm uh, from Iran. I was born and raised in Tehran, and I went to medical school over there. Our med school in Iran is about seven to eight years, and we enter right after high school. I started doing research uh, specifically in urology early on when I was at second, third year of med school. And at that time, I started knowing that I want to pursue my academic career in another country. And I made my mind at that time. After finishing med school, I worked for a year as a general physician and then applied for a research position in U.S. And I ended up coming to USC as a research fellow in urologic oncology. My main mentor at USC was Dr. Donishman, but I was working with the whole oncology team as well as other faculties at the department. And I applied for urology residency last year, and I matched at Vanderbilt University. I'm now first-year urology resident at Vanderbilt. Awesome, and congratulations. Adreza, why don't you introduce yourself? Thank you so much, Dr. Jaladat. It's an honor for me to be here in this podcast, Backtable Urology, and also to be a talk to you, Dr. Jaladat. You have been my mentor the past five years, so it's, it's a complete pleasure to me. I was uh, born actually in Iran and I did my med school and uh, residency back home in Iran. Uh, after graduation from urology residency, I served as an assistant professor of urology for about four years. Uh, my passion and my goal um, always has been to be a like, world-class urologic oncologist. So it's the reason why in uh, July 2018, I joined USC Urology as a research fellow in the past five years. I worked as a research fellow at USC Urology and I dedicated my work and my research in the field of urologic oncology 
in the past cycle, I applied for um, Society of Urological Oncology Fellowship. Unfortunately, I matched at Duke University, and hopefully I will start my SEO fellowship at Duke uh, next July. Awesome. Again, congratulations. I think uh, to start the conversation, the question I really have as a first, what are the pathways that potentially may be available for higher education in urology, for folks who are coming to U.S., for foreign medical graduates who are pursuing further education in urology in U.S.? Maybe we can start with that, Larissa. So um, there are different pathways. The most common pathway is just applying for a residency. And there is a like, more difficult pathway is to apply for fellowship the way that I did. For both of these pathways, it's actually different. Our pathway is different from like other U.S. medical grads. So we need to start with some like research fellowship for at least two to three years to get into the point that we be able to apply for those clinical positions. There are also some other opportunities. For example, some of our colleagues, they uh, apply for master's or PhD and they change the gear to work in the basic or translational sciences. There are also some other opportunities. Some We have some like outstanding IMGs that directly apply for a clinical faculty or also there are some like opportunities for being a research faculty. All these pathways have their own requirements. So I think the IMG should have their goals and then they focus on the pathway that they want to go through. Amazing. Um, Sanam, what do you think? Um, I mean, um, there are so many pathways potentially available, whether you're more interested in the basic science part, whether you want to work on the translational, whether in clinical, whether in just a clinical research, uh, whether you want further augment your research capabilities first with some education and then hands-on research, working on databases. What do you think? Is there any other pathway? I think Eddie Reza mentioned most of the potential pathways, but I think it really depends on a person's background and level of education in, in your own country. And also it really depends on visa status and possibly of like having a green card or being a U.S. citizen. So all these things are important factors that we need to consider when we are trying to apply. So, for example, I can talk about myself. When I decided to come to the U.S., the, I needed a visa. And also I did not have any residency training back in Iran. So I was newly grad, like medical graduate who the only path for me was just like doing residency in another country. So I didn't have this chance to really apply for fellowships here. At that time, I had like few options to get a visa. One of them was applying for a research position and applying for J visa along with the research position. And the other one was like applying to things like masters or PhDs that give you F visa and you can come to the U.S. with those. And I decided on research position because I thought that I, as a postdoc, I can expand my research experience more and I can have a better path to gain more clinical experience in the U.S. and then apply for residency. This opens up a, a huge uh, multifactorial aspects of uh, migration as well as further continuing the education in, in urology because... And a lot of times I have noticed that they're actually uh, mixed. Uh, some of the positions that you might apply, they are only available for certain categories, uh, immigration, um, the visa status, uh, or from the 
actually the citizenship status that might be different. It might not be available for all the folks who are on just uh, like a temporary visa. This makes it extremely obviously challenging and complicated, but that probably needs another session for all of us to sit down and talk about uh, requirements uh, from um, a citizenship standpoint for any of these opportunities. But most common pathways uh, you guys mentioned are either pursuing residence in clinical world, either pursuing residency or uh, clinical fellowship. What really you guys think um, makes you that fit for each of them? Obviously, if you have not done a residency, as you mentioned, I mean, you are focusing on doing a residency to get that clinical experience. But you have done a residency and you're already a urologist, you might have both options available. To hear a little bit more on your thoughts on uh, how do you decide on which pathway and uh, potentially make you eligible for one versus the other? Yes, as you mentioned, I did my residency back home and I had the two options to go through the residency pathway or the fellowship pathway. And it was an extremely difficult decision for me. You remember that we had all this discussion that which one is um, more appropriate for me. And I think this is a completely personal decision, as Sana mentioned, based on the background, based on the skills, based on the publications that you had, the clinical experience, then you decide which route is more appropriate for you. For example, for the residency pathway, I was somehow, when I was talking to like different program directors, they were telling me that you are overqualified. I take it as a compliment, but sometimes it's somehow like a barrier for an IMG to apply when he wants to apply for like residency. But the fellowship pathway, there are some like pros and cons on that pathway. So based on my background, my experience, I thought maybe this is like the best way to go through. But uh, you should be realistic. When you apply for fellowship, you're going to compete with fresh U.S. medical grads. And when you look at the stats from the prior years, you see that the match rate is significantly lower for foreign medical grads. I have some stats for you. For for example, SEO fellowship last year in like 2022, the match uh, rate for the IMGs was actually 23%. And it was 93% for the, the chief residents who were, uh, just graduated from uh, like US or Canadian programs. And this was, for example, for endourology, it was 31% versus uh, 84%. Even for some like other fellowships, for example, for pediatric, last year, three IMGs applied and none of them matched. So you should be completely realistic that if you want to apply for this, the chance of getting accepted is extremely low. Also, as Sana mentioned, a lot of programs, they don't accept like to give you visa. So you should be either uh, like a citizen or you should have a green card. So these are like the main factors that significantly affect your decision on to go through either of these pathways. Yeah, this again adds another layer of complexity when you're just thinking about, oh, okay, I just want to do further education in urology. And then you put all these, you know, unknown and some of them known factors um, into this formula. Uh, you look at it uh, from the math perspective, it's, it's when you have so many unknown factors in this formula, it's extremely challenging to 
to try to predict the result and the outcome. But uh, let's step back one step and come up before immigration and before coming to U.S. for further education. Certainly, as Sana mentioned earlier, there is a prep course. You got to be, uh, you know, really prepped for the what you are going to confront from education perspective, from eligibility, the criteria that you should fill. If you are going through like a research program, obviously you need to know a fair uh, amount of knowledge uh, on analysis, statistical part, methodology, research components, scientific writing, so on and so forth. You need probably have some experience. What do you think? You guys both went through the research pathway while you started in the U.S. and each of you ended up one in residency and one in clinical fellowship. What do you think the people who want to apply for this route should do pre-immigration to get themselves prepped? for this course to be as efficient as possible? Maybe we start with Sana. It's a great question. Honestly, I think it's something that you need to plan ahead of time. As I mentioned earlier, I really planned on uh, coming to U.S. and applying for urology early on, on when I was at med school. And when I finished med school, I already have 30 published papers and I had experience of doing lots of clinical trials, animal model studies, lab studies, tissue engineering, and like lots of surgical outcome studies. So I think all those knowledge and background really helped me. I passed multiple courses on scientific writing, on data analysis, and research studies in Iran, uh, and also internationally. So I think these were very helpful, which made me to be prepared for the next step. And I think the path is really unique for each person. So there is not a set plan or a recipe that I can give and then everyone can repeat that. I think that the important thing is that you need to know yourself. You need to know that where you are seeing yourself in 10 years or 20 years. When I thought about coming to U.S. and applying for residency, my goal was not to become a resident. My goal was like have a long-term academic career. And even now, I'm not thinking about like being an intern. I'm thinking about being an academic urologist in 10, 20 years. So I think this is very important when you have a long-term plan and when you know yourself, when you know your abilities and when you know what you want to do, then you can really plan based on that. And this is important. It, it's not a recipe to be repeated for everyone. Yeah, I, I can't agree with you more. I mean, you really said it right. And the bottom line is that I think uh, knowing yourself and setting it up based on your capabilities and capacities to max it out. At the same time, dream big and try your best. And uh, I think that's basically is going to make it happen. I mean, there's no way whatsoever you can think about uh, the folks who are talented, skilled, and they are working hard and they don't get to the success. I mean, there's no way to think about that. That's my opinion. But Alreza, I mean, applying for a clinical fellowship, as you mentioned here, it seems very challenging. Uh, 20%, 30% chance of match is very low. And we're talk we're not talking about like 50 people applying. We're probably each year, I think FMGs, I don't know, uh, maybe, I don't know, five, 10 people probably for SEO applying. Um, I'm just, I'm not 100%, but that's my guess based on the number of accepted people applying to that 30% that you mentioned. So 
how should you be prepared for that before immigration? What, what are the factors you think are important to consider in this path? So as Sana mentioned, you should have like a big picture and the, the goal that you want to achieve like in 10, 15 years. So uh, if I want to talk about myself, as I mentioned, I wanted to be an academic, uh, like world-class urologic oncologist. So I think the best way to prepare yourself before immigration is to have more involvement in the field of research, in the fields that you want to pursue your career in future. For example, if you want to do urology oncology, it's better to have a background of research in that specific field that shows your interest and your passion to pursue in that pathway. Also, there are some other like skills, any skills that you may gain, for example, working with like different types of software, data analysis softwares can help you in your like future like application. Also, any clinical experience back home for me, for example, during the residency or during the time that I was a faculty can help me to increase the power of my like CV, increase the strength of my application when I apply for clinical fellowship. And in the transition from the time that we immigrate to U.S., to the time that we apply for clinical fellowship. Again, there are a lot of things that you should know and you should do. For example, you should know there are different cultures in terms of like patients, how to communicate with the patients, how to actually run research uh, here in United States is completely different, for example, compared to what I was like doing in Iran. So all these details can help you to reach your goal when you want to apply for clinical fellowship. And the most important thing that I frequently asked at the time of my interviews is that which part, which, what do you want to pursue? Which is, what's your specific goal? For example, you want to do translational like research. You want to, for example, do like work on the urethelial. You want to do prostate. So this transition year uh, of the, like doing research fellowship you should find the the main interest that you want to do, you want to pursue in your future career. Great. I mean, um, so what I'm hearing from both of you is even pre-immigration, you got to know yourself. You got to know your capabilities, um, the areas that you are strong. And if there is some areas of and opportunities that you can improve, you get those and the skills uh, improved. You got to dream big. And you gotta be prepared for the challenges. You gotta fight. Certainly, there will be a lot of steps that you gotta fight. You should not get disappointed. You should believe in the hard work and the dedication and commitment that you put into this work. The result may or may not necessarily be what you were wishing for, but certainly there would be some output from it and there should be always some degree of flexibility to change the gears sometimes if needed because it, this is a vast area that you may and you should move goal-directed. So you have the purpose in your mind, you're pushing for it and uh, you are committed to do it. Basically, it's going to happen. So you get prepared, but certainly there's a lot of challenges. So you talked about some of it. There are some challenges pre-immigration. There are some challenges while you have immigrated and you are setting yourself. There are some challenges at the time of application. I mean, challenge through the life. I mean, let, let me tell you, it's all over. 
to the end of it, right? It's never, never, and that's, I think that's going to make us stronger. That There's no question. But let's talk about some of these challenges that the audience might be interested, pre-immigration and early on after immigration. Maybe we start with Sana. Honestly, it is a, another topic to really have a podcast on when we are talking about challenges of immigration and then applying as an international graduate. But if I just want to name some of them, I think, as you said, you need to be ready for for the challenges that you're going to face. We have a code in Farsi that we say you need to thicken your skin before really starting to think about uh, moving to another country and starting a career there. I can say that, first of all, it really depends which country you are coming from and all the challenges you'll have about getting a visa and all those problems that is unique to each country. And I, I don't want to talk about them. But then after that, you need to know that you are coming to a new place, new system, new language, new culture. You are growing with that as well. And you are also learning about yourself because you never had this experience before. So you need to be ready for that. And also, I want to say that nowhere is a paradise. So you need to know if you are moving, for example, I moved from Tehran to Los Angeles and LA was so different than my expectations before coming there. And I, I really want to tell people that you need to know nothing is perfect and nothing is a dreamland. So you need to be ready for lots of new challenges. If I want to name some of them, you need to be, you need to know that when you are going to a new place, you are the one talking with an accent and you need to be ready to get some sort of negative feedbacks with that as well. You need to be ready for all the cultural and language barriers that you'll face at your workplace, in the society, in the city, with your neighbors, when you are renting a place. So these are all really challenges. And I, as I said, it's very unique to where you are coming from as well to some extent. For example, I had some issues renting a place at the very beginning when I uh, moved to U.S. It might not be true for some, some people coming from other countries, but you need to be uh, ready for those. And then... Others are financial problems. Everything is so expensive for applying to uh, residency, like ECFMG getting like all the USMLE exams, ECFMG certification, ERES application, all the match process. These are expensive things that you need to think about it ahead of time. Also, I think the support system is very important. So when you are moving to a new place, you don't have your support system anymore. I came to US alone and I didn't have any family here and... I really started making a network and a family when I moved to LA. So these are the things that you need to to know ahead of time and sort of be prepared. There is no really straightforward answer to all these problems, but I think it is just, it's important to think ahead of time about everything and really try to focus and rely on your strengths and use them to really build your own and then you need to know that you're going to grow during this path and be ready for that growth. Excellent. I mean, that was such a good summary. What do you think, Adereza? Do you have anything to add? I'm pretty sure these challenges would never finish. <laughs> yeah, I think I think Salam touched on like the main problems that an IMG can face at the time of the immigration. So just to debrief what Sanam mentioned first is the cultural differences that she comprehensively talked about that. The second thing is the financial things. A lot of research fellowships are non-funded 
or they have like um, a very like small fund or a scholarship. So I think we should be prepared to cover our like out of pocket and to cope with these financial issues. This is the second problem. And the third one, which I think is the, the most important one that you will definitely going to be homesick. So uh, you need to find some ways to actually solve this issue. You should have some like emotional support. Sometimes we talk to our parents or family every day to have their emotional support. We definitely gonna make like new friends. So they gonna help us in our new life. And also some people, they do exercise. Some people, they involve themselves in work and in the field of research. And I think you should always have some short term goals for yourself to motivate yourself, to help you to get through this difficult pathway uh, more efficiently and more appropriately. I'd also add that you need to know where you are going and which people you're going to work with. It is very important as well. I think going to a place that has a supportive culture and is a diverse institution is very important and, and helpful. When I joined USC, there were many other research fellows coming through the same path as me from China, from Venezuela, from Iran, from Brazil. So, and like seeing those people and having their support and friendship was so helpful. And I think it's very important to be at a diverse place that you are seeing other faculty. For example, for me, I was seeing you, Dr. Jaladat, that you came from another country, you build a career here, and it was very sort of heartwarming and really helpful for me to see you. you yeah, you got to this place and then it is possible for me as well. So I think it's, it's very important as well. I know that some people might not have many options to really decide on, but it is very important which institution you are going to and who will be your mentor and who is your team. These are very important things to consider because these are people that they'll help you to build your career. They'll have huge impact on your personal and professional growth. And I think you need to really decide about it wisely. Yeah, I just want to echo what Sana mentioned. I, and I want to take an advantage of this moment to thank you, Dr. Jaladat. It was like a great time for me in the past five years uh, working with you as a research fellow. You came here, you did the same path, and you are now like a full professor at USC Urology. So as Sana mentioned, it's very heartwarming for us that this is possible and we want to go through the same path that you did. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, all the factors you guys mentioned us are really important. I mean preparation before coming here, dealing with the e visa issues. Um, sometimes there are some limitations on the visa. There are some, you can't go back, it's a single entry or whatever. So there are some limitations that that actually brings another layer of overwhelming challenge to what you want to do and coping and essentially adaptation and, and entering the program here, as well as the networking that you do after you come here, looking for helps and really try to make initially your own network and your team, and then gradually expand it and have a new family and learn from each other. I mean, I, I have learned so much from you guys 
And this is just obviously a path that we all would go through it. The factor, as you guys mentioned, I think the commitment and dedication with the hard work, again, I don't think it goes wrong with that. But backtrack to, so you both did research here. You have, both of you have been extremely successful with a number of publications and presentations and just getting your name out before even applying for residency or fellowship. I want you guys to briefly tell me what has been the the tips and tricks on this to run the successful research program. Not everybody who, who start doing research is publishing, I don't know, you guys published 20 to 40 paper in the past just two, three years, four years, which is, I mean, astronomical when you look at it. But but what are the factors? I mean, when you get in here, you are in the research program. What are the factors you should consider and pursue? Maybe we we'll start with Ali Reza this time. So um, again, I was actually fortunate to join USC Urology that has the like infrastructure of uh, like doing research. We have like a large like databases. For example, our bladder cancer database. I think it's among the most comprehensive databases in United States. And there are like other like opportunities. I think when you start your research fellowship, you just continue the path that your prior fellows was doing, for example, finishing the unfinished projects. And little by little, you get to know how to communicate with the research staff and what's the opportunities for doing research in your own institution. So when I joined USC, I started with some outcome research studies with our bladder cancer database, which was already available. But little by little, actually, with the, the help of you, we, we found some pathways of like doing some multi-center studies on some, uh, some like novel topics that actually helped me to work with some other centers, communicate with some other faculty from other centers. And also this allowed me to know how to work with the IRB, uh, what's like the data agreement shit. The, and uh, this is not possible without like doing these multi-center studies. Also, at the end of the day, the product of this uh, like projects were presented in national and international meetings like the AUA, Western Section AUA or the SEO meeting. So it allowed me to present our work in an appropriate way and also make some new friends uh, from residents, from the fellows, and also communicate with other faculty from other centers that at the time of that, that application, it helped me a lot because a lot of people from other centers, they knew me from the from those meetings that I presented my work there. Excellent. Sanam, what do you think? What are the factors make you a successful researcher? Having a good team is very important. We were so lucky at USC having a good team of SEO fellows and having a team of research fellows that we could collaborate with each other. I remember that we had like, we have SEO deadline tomorrow and I'm preparing an abstract for that. But I think it was very important to have that support system from your team that when there is a conference and then you have some research ideas, you can just sit down with them, talk about ideas, and each person can take a part and really work together. And I think that was very important. It played a huge role to really have been productive in research. 
Excellent. I mean, you guys uh, said it all right, and there is no question how much we really can learn from research itself. Um, as Reza mentioned earlier, you know, when you're researching first, you read the literature. So you learn so much on a topic from just reading the literature, what has been done. So it really augments your knowledge about that. And then you come up with, okay, the question that I'm going to answer, whether it has already been answered or has been touched. And the collaboration, the teamwork, the atmosphere helps significantly to grow in that area in a multi-potential pathways, not just all the research components. But I mean, we can talk a whole day on this, but thank you so much for shedding some light on this. The next question I want to ask, I'm going to mention some uh, words, some titles, some phrases, and and I want to ask you to tell me the role of each of these factors in pursuing success in the U.S., uh, in higher education urology in the U.S. And I just want you to maybe say a phrase, maybe a sentence, maybe two sentences. So just like a snapshot and see what you think, okay? So each of them, we start with Sanam and then uh, Alireza will follow. The first one is the role of age. Very important, but to some extent. Alireza. I think it's important. I just suggest anyone who wants to immigrate to immigrate in a younger age. Sex, female or male? That's a really tough question. I can talk as a female and I think it is very different at each place. Honestly, as a female international graduate, I can say that sometimes you feel more discriminated and you need to be ready for that, especially in a more male-dominant field, especially in a field that there are less internationally trained female mentors for you. So I, I got to just uh, talk more about uh, on this because it's a very important thing. I got to just mention two things. One of the thing is that I think it's very important to have a female mentor when you are a female and coming from another country. I was so lucky to have Dr. Shockman at USC, who was my first female mentor, sort of during the whole uh, medical school and uh, research fellowship period. And I think having conversations with her was so helpful for me, especially when I was applying for residency and when I was like going for interviews and when I was deciding on my rank list, because I think I could have more open conversations with her about some specific topics that I couldn't have had with my with other male mentors. And I think this this was very helpful. The other thing that I got to mention is that unfortunately, traditionally, when you are a female coming from Middle East, you have a, this mindset or setback that you are not good enough or you shouldn't put yourself first or your passions are not coming first. So I just want to use this platform and, and tell all the females coming from other countries want to apply for urology, specifically females from Middle East, that you are good enough, your passion is wonderful and should be valued. And I think the first step for women rights to fight for women rights is just having self-empowerment. And I think this is very important that we need to pay attention to. Absolutely. That's why we believe in women, life and freedom. Alireza, what do you think? Sex. I think uh, Salam covered all the aspects about sex. I, I acknowledge some like discrimination 
But I think the programs are getting much better and better and they're trying actually to make the programs both in like residency and fellowship programs more diverse. Great. Residency in back home before coming to U.S. Sana. Honestly, I cannot talk much about it. I didn't have such experience and I never thought about like having it. Okay. Alireza. When I did my interviews, a lot of people, they didn't know the curriculum or the skills that I gained through my residency. You should like present it in a way that's make a plus for you. Great. Getting a higher degree, like a master or MPH or PhD or something before coming to U.S. for further education. Doubts. Sana. You really need to think that if this is helping uh, your long-term goals, if you feel that getting an M- getting MPH or a master at your own country or here in U.S. will really help help you in your future career, go for it. But Lots of the times you don't really need that, especially if you can just gain lots of research experience and knowledge with doing a postdoc research fellowship rather than like having a PhD. Thank you. Uh, Alireza. I think it's not necessary for like applying for fellowship, but it gives you some plus when you apply, when you have some like second degrees. Yeah, it's better to have it. If you don't have it, you're, you're not down in, in the road visa type when you come to us sana it is very important and i think it's more important when you're applying for residency unfortunately requiring a visa can decrease the number of interviews that you are getting and is this this is something that i mean i i'm hoping to be changed Reza. extremely important especially in the field of uh, fellowship when you go to the fellowship requirements for each programs i can say that 80 to 90 percent of the programs that they don't grant visa for the the fellows taking usmle exams before coming to us sanam very helpful thank you adreza yeah i think at least the step one i highly suggest to take at least a step one before moving to us yeah it's very good Okay, so you guys both have been extremely successful, thanks God. And I want to just run this um, question that if you go back five or six years ago, before you did all of this, was there anything differently you would have done? We start with the other result. So I would definitely take at least one of my steps before moving to United States. Because uh, I had this challenge when I was doing my research fellowship that my mind was so busy to like uh, at the the same time I had to study and at the same time I should run all my research projects. So this is extremely important. The second thing is that I may uh, go more like away rotations to get more familiar with other programs. Unfortunately, in the past five years that I was doing my research fellowship, we faced the COVID pandemic and there are a lot of restrictions from that standpoint that we faced. So, but if in a normal situation, I was doing uh, like differently and I was uh, trying to see like uh, some other programs other than USC to gain more experience from different mentalities, different, uh, different mindsets. Great. Sanam, what do you think? I gotta echo what Ali Reza said, honestly. I myself couldn't take any of USMLE exams before coming to US. Our medical system didn't let us to take it during our med school and I only had a year after graduation 
and I was so busy with like applying for a research spot and then dealing with visa issues and I couldn't really take it. And it can really impact your work and research and you, the amount of focus that you can have on your research. And it really decreases your stress level if you take it earlier before before getting to US. So I'll I definitely work on that more if I go back. Okay, great. So I think uh, we covered a lot of things. Uh, there are still a lot of things that we can talk about for sure. But for the end of our conversation, I want to leave it open. If there is anything that uh, I didn't ask or uh, we didn't have time to talk about, please uh, let us know. Uh, maybe we start with Andy Reza. So um, I think one important thing that I want to touch on is in the fellowship route, anyone who wants to apply for fellowship should know his or her goal. If he wants to go back to his homeland to work as a urologist or he wants to stay here in the United States. The difference is that um, if you want to stay here in the United States as a urologist, you should be eligible for a full license and you should know the requirements for getting the full license. And there are a lot of details about this that you can find it on the website of the American Medical Association for that. So I would suggest all the IMGs to go through that website and see all those requirements before applying for fellowship. Great. Sana, what do you think? There are a few things that I'd like to mention. One of them is that I'm going to repeat it again and again. The role of mentorship is very huge and you really need to consider that. It is very important to have a good mentor. And uh, I remember that from the very first day I joined USC, Dr. Donishman was telling me hard work will pays off. And I remembered his this word like every time. And I think it is very important to have a mentor you can really communicate with closely. You can have the mentor alongside with your path as you are doing research, as you want to have more clinical experience, as you're applying for a residency, even about your personal life, I think it's very important. And I can say I could have not wished for a better mentors, to be honest, who have been still playing a huge role in my personal and professional growth. And then uh, other thing is that ask for feedback, seek for feedback. It is very important because like you are coming from another country, you are facing so many barriers and problems, facing so many challenges, and you don't know how you are doing. So you need to really seek for feedback, ask your mentor, ask your team teammates, ask some different people that how they feel about you, how they think about your work and research and the path that you are going to. And I think it's very important. And then the other thing is that I want to mention having a group of advisors that you trust and you can talk with them frequently and you can sort of ask their recommendations about your path and about your progress and about the challenges that you are facing. And also talk with other IMGs who matched. It's very important because lots of the times they can give you clues about what you can do. And um, I think this is very important. I was so lucky seeing people from Iran who match in urology and I could ask them frequently about every step, about the challenges and how to overcome them. And then um, lastly, I want to say it's very important to expand your network. You uh, need to put yourself out there. You need to present yourself. I can say about myself, I'm coming from a culture that I, I mean, I, 
I was taught differently about a way that I should present myself. And I think it's here, it was very important for me to learn how I should present myself, how to put myself out there, how to be vulnerable, how to be ready to be discriminated, but at the same time, continue pursuing my passion. And these are very important. And I think you need to expand your network. It shouldn't be limited to your institutions. There are so many people out there that are willing to help you and talk with you and guide you. And don't be afraid being rejected. It is a part of uh, the path. But I, uh, but I think you're going to meet people who really want to help you. And I was lucky to see some of those people during my interview path that helped me a lot and they were not even from USC. Awesome. I think um, this was an amazing conversation. We touched base on uh, a lot of aspects that are important for pursuing higher education in urology in US for foreign medical graduates, whether it's associated with immigration or not. And I couldn't have a better guest. Um, you guys are amazing. Should I do it? some visits before, which I think we didn't talk about that, but I think that's extremely important for people who want to really think about this seriously, if possible for them to do some visits before, maybe a short visit, maybe a week, maybe two weeks, to where they want to pursue that career in either research or even clinical to really get the, to some extent, not 100%, but to some extent, really the the taste of what they're going to confront with. And this can be just sometimes life-changing. It's just about seeing the right person at the right time in the right place. And I think that plays an important role for the consequences that happens after that. If that piece, which is, I think, one of the most important infrastructure, components of success in higher education here doesn't happen, that that would be extremely challenging to get it right. I want to thank both of you for putting your time to have this conversation. It was extremely, would enjoy it. And uh, even if one person uh, can benefit from this conversation, I think we got our goal. I wish both of you the best of luck and I hope to see you soon. If there is anyone out there uh, listening to this podcast and have further questions, I'm more than happy to help. Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe, rate the podcast five stars, and share with a friend. If you have any questions or comments, DM us at underscore Backtable on Instagram, LinkedIn, or Twitter. Backtable is hosted by Aditya Bagrodia and Jose Silva. Our audio team is led by Kieran Gannon with support from Josh McWhorter, Aaron Bowles, Nick Shellcross, and Ness Smith-Savadoff. Design and digital marketing led by Brian Schmitz with support from Devante Delbrun. Social media and PR by Chi Ding. Administrative support provided by Jimmy Lee Thanks again for listening and see you next week.